It is indeed a wonderful thing to be together this morning to honor the God of heaven and worship him and encourage one another in our faith and, and just love each other as we sang about. Uh, what a wonderful privilege all of that is. Glad you're here. If you're visiting with us, uh, we hope that we're encouraging to you. And as uh, Gary's already said, we'd love to get to meet you after services and get to know you a little better. Well, yesterday, I, as I usually do on Saturdays, I made a Facebook post and sent out an email about my sermon topic for today. And uh, since I did that yesterday, I found out that several of you have been talking about this. And that raises the question, you know, is it possible to gossip about a sermon about gossip, you know? I think it might be, but I don't think that's what was going on. I think it was encouraging, and uh, there were encouraging things said to me already about the sermon. So I hope that I can say some things this morning that will be really beneficial for us as we deal with this kind of an odd thing to talk about, really. In a way, it's kind of hard to talk about it because um, gossip is a joke sometimes, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's been part of a lot of jokes that have been told, and I suppose we've all laughed at that sort of thing. I'm not sure that we should, but it's a, it's a lighthearted thing that we talk about sometimes, but gossip is such a serious sin, and it can be so detrimental to our, our well-being, the well-being of others, the well-being of the church, our eternal well-being as far as that goes. Gossip is really an insidious sin. It poses as speech that is, that is caring and that is concerned and that is needful, but it is in fact unloving and careless and unproductive of anything that's good. That's the nature of gossip. When I say that it's insidious, I mean that it is subtle, but it's harmful. As I said about it a minute ago, it doesn't seem that harmful when we hear the jokes about it, right? But it is. It is insidious. The venom of gossip can poison a church. It can, like snake venom, uh, harm the body. And it can quickly spread uh, through the members of a congregation, really fracturing a congregation. I found this graphic the other day uh, as I was just upon, if you Google, if you go to Pixabay and, and you search uh, snake tongue, this comes up, so that's where the, and, and it just pictures, here's a person with a snake coming out of his mouth, and he himself is all fractured up, and that's what happens in the body of Christ with gossip. So let's think about this sin that we want to protect against and guard against and repent of if we're committing it, and do better when it comes to the use of our tongue. We're concerned about gossip this morning, we're concerned because As I said, it's a venom that can poison a church. Paul was concerned about gossip, among other things, when he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. He says, I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. The ESV there says, at the last part of that verse, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Uses some different English words to say the same thing that is said in the New King James Version that I read. So Paul was concerned that there would be 
bad things going on when he got to Corinth. He did not want to find them like this, and he was guaranteeing them that if he found them like that, they were not going to be happy with the way they found him either, because he was going to have to straighten them out about these kinds of sins. The word, in the New King James, it's translated whisperings there. In the ESV, it's translated gossip. Some other translations have gossip as well there. But the, the word that that's translated from in the Greek language is just kind of a, I, I want to try to pronounce it, uh, just so you can hear it, and then I'll ex- explain uh, the definition of it. So it would be uh, Scytherismus. Scytherismus. Just try to say that, you know, ten times fast or something. Scytherismus. Starts with a P-S. Is in our language is how it would start. Now, what that sounds like to me almost is a hissing snake. And that's actually connected to the word. Because if you look up like in Thayer's Greek lexicon, the definition of Scytherismus, he says, first of all, it's whispering, secret slandering, and secondly, it's used of the magical murmuring of a charmer of snakes. In other words, it's parcel tongue. It's talking to snakes and getting them to do what you want them to do by that slithery talk. It's a dangerous thing. And I think the word itself gives us a hint as to just how dangerous it is. We may fail, I think, to recognize the dangers of the dangers of gossip because we live in a culture that encourages it. Social media is often nothing but gossip, editorial comments on events presented as fact, uh, opinions that are half-baked, that are shared as if it's reality. Uh, no, no greater light than Ellen DeGeneres has said this. People love gossip. It's the biggest thing that keeps the entertainment industry going. She would know, right? So it's all around us. Our culture accepts it. Our culture thrives on it in a lot of ways. These ways that we've just mentioned. And we fail to recognize it. We fail to see it for what it actually is. We fail to see it as a sin. We may participate in it with our words or our ears. We may give attention to it. And we may not not even give a thought to whether or not what we're saying or what we're hearing could be categorized as gossip. That's how, again, insidious and subtle this sin is. Seemingly innocent phrases should be a clue that, you know, rabbit ears are up or something, an antenna up, that something's not right here. When someone says, did you hear about? <laughs> when somebody starts a sentence like that, automatically, let's check about this. Did I hear about what? Is it factual? Is it going to be helpful? Is it needful? Did I hear about something that was those things or is it something else? Or, 
did you see that link on Facebook of the story about whatever? Sometimes good, maybe not sometimes. Or anytime somebody starts a sentence with, she said that he said. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a clue right away, right? That this could be gossip. You won't believe what I heard. You ever heard that? You won't believe what I heard. And that always starts with, uh, uh, you know, the, the comment about some juicy bit of gossip usually. And then somebody says, I don't know this for sure, but... <laughs> Well, if we don't know it for sure, why are we saying it? We need to be concerned about gossip. Mainly because we want to please God. In Psalm 19 and verse 14, the psalmist writes, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We want to be accepted by God. And to be accepted by God, our words must be accepted by God. It's interesting to me in contrast to that, if you go to Romans chapter 1, you see these people who refuse to have God in their knowledge. And because they refuse to have God in their knowledge, God gave them up, the text tells us. They were not accepted by him. He says, the text says, that even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to the based mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, gossips, and backbiters. And the list of all of those heinous sins where God has given up people to these sins because they did not want him in their knowledge. Sins that include sexual immorality of all kinds, that word would include wickedness and covetousness and murder. Right in the middle of all that. Gossiping. God's not pleased with it. Let's think a little bit more about what gossip is. What is gossip? Well, Bible synonyms, as we've already suggested, include words like tail-bearing, whispering, backbiting, and slander. Gossip can be defined as uh, casual or, or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. That's a dictionary definition of gossip. Speech about others that contains unconfirmed facts is unkind or unnecessary or none of our business. Gossip is often not true. Occasionally it may be true and still be gossip, but gossip is often not true. Proverbs 10 and verse 18 says, whoever hides hatred has lying lips. And whoever spreads slander is a fool. This is the talk, talking about spreading things that are not true. And they're described as a liar. And they're described as slanderous. And they're described as a fool. And the word fool there doesn't mean like a blithering idiot, but somebody who is morally, morally unacceptable to God. The opposite of godly wisdom. Even if something is true, it may not need to be said. 
It may be something, for instance, that's none of our business. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 15, we learn that we're not to be a a busybody in other people's matters. So even if it is true, but it's none of your business, you don't need to be saying it. Sometimes truth is told about others. And when it's being told, we're talking about somebody else. Sometimes, in the heart of godly people, the intent is the well-being of the person that's being talked about. And that's a good thing. We need to talk about one another when it comes to how can I help my brother or sister out. Or saying something encouraging about something that they have done as a good example. Those are things we need to talk about and spread around. There are times, of course, when the truth about others, however harsh, must be shared with third parties. We should always, of course, exercise great caution in talking to someone about another person. And we must always, as we'll talk about a little later in the lesson, check our motivation and the things that we say. I want you to notice with me in 1 Corinthians how Paul dealt with receiving reports of people that about people that were very negative reports. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11, Paul says to the Corinthians, It has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now somebody had come to Paul and said, or maybe written to Paul and said, maybe more than Uh, one somebody, but from Chloe's household, Paul had heard, Paul had heard that there were divisions and contentions among the Corinthians. What he heard was right. He apparently verified it to be a fact. What does he do with that? What does he do with that information that some people might have considered to be gossip? What he does with it is he takes it right to the person and people that are being talked about, the Corinthians, and he confronts them with it. He doesn't continue to spread it around all all to other churches, you know, to all the other churches. He takes it to Corinth. He writes them a letter. He said, this is what was reported. I believe this to be true. Here's what you need to correct. That's how you you deal with something like this if you love somebody. You hear something that's factual about someone that's negative. And if you love them at all, as we sang, love one another, you'll take it to them. And if it's corrected, you'll rejoice with them. And if it's not corrected, you'll encourage them to correct it. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1, Uh, How did Paul know that there was this uh, sexually immoral person in the church in Corinth? You know how he knew? Somebody says, well, he's an inspired apostle. Well, that's that's not what he says about how he came to know it. He says, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. And then he goes on and deals with that with the Corinthians. So we learn something here about how we're to deal with information that is negative that we might hear about somebody else. And it's not to go spread it. But it's to to help the person that's being talked about. As we mentioned, gossip is unloving. 
it is, in fact, the, the opposite of the love that we are to have because the love we are to have, Romans 12 and verse 9, is a love that is without hypocrisy. But gossips are hypocrites. They're one thing to your face and something else over here. Proverbs 11 and verse 9, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. Psalm 41 and verse 6, if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. His heart gathers iniquity to itself. When he goes out, he tells it. He's talking about a gossip, isn't he? And he says, all who hate me whisper together against me. Gossip is an expression of hatred, not love. Gossip, as we've said, stirs strife and conflict. The ungodly man digs up evil, Proverbs 16 and verse 27. The ungodly man digs up evil and it is on his lips like a burning fire. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. How many, how many relationships in your life have been spoiled and ruined and broken by words? And words maybe that were not spoken to you, but spoken about you. That's the power of gossip. To destroy relationships. Relationships between a husband and wife. Close lifelong friends. Brothers and sisters of the flesh or in Christ. Talking about somebody negatively behind their back causes strife, contention, and division. Separation of the best of friends. In Proverbs 26 and verse 20, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no tailbearer, strife ceases. So that's what gossip is. What generates, what generates gossip? What is the origin? Uh, where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from hell. It's coming from hell. In James chapter 3, James says in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire. And we've already sort of described that with gossip. The tongue's a fire in a lot of ways. But when it comes to gossip, it's really a fire. It spreads. It, it destroys. It, it's harmful. But the, the tongue is a fire. He says it is, it is a world of iniquity. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body, it sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Now when I read this, I'll just have to tell you, I almost get the feeling that James is talking about hell in the popular way that hell is perceived by most people in the world that's totally wrong. <laughs> Which is, you know, uh, most people in the world think that hell is uh, a place where the devil's in charge, you know, and uh, everything in hell is going the devil's way. Uh, and so he's, he's in charge of hell and he's there sticking his pitchfork in people and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's not what hell is at all, of course. Hell is a place of punishment for the devil. Right? So, so what does James mean when he says that the, this, this nature of the tongue to be a fire, it's set on fire by, by hell. What does he mean? 
what hell is, is separation from God. And people who are separated from God use their tongues in a very, very destructive way. It is set on fire by people who are separated from God. That's the origin of it. It's not from God. So it must be what? From the godless. That's where it comes from. And I'll just tell you, when we catch ourselves, ourselves engaged in gossip, for this reason, it ought to trouble us mightily. Because gossip does not come from a good place in a person. It comes from a godless place. Secondly, when you think about the origin of gossip... It comes from a desire for carnal pleasure. Proverbs 26 and verse 22. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles. The ESV there says, delicious morsels. They go down into the inmost part of the body. So someone has said that gossip is like a hot fudge sundae made with bluebell ice cream. Gossip is like peach cobbler with real whipped cream. Gossip is like a steak and lobster dinner. Gossip is like an all-you-can-eat buffet with a dessert bar. You don't want to stop. And it's so good, you just want more and more. You see, that is in fact the nature of gossip, isn't it? Just like eating a good meal, there's something pleasurable about telling people something that you know that they don't know about somebody else. There is a passing pleasure of sin in that. And there's something pleasurable about hearing that. If it weren't pleasurable, Ellen DeGeneres wouldn't have said, that's our whole entertainment industry. People watch these gossip shows that are on in the daytime all day long, I guess. They watch these things and they engage in Facebook and, and a lot of times and all this kind of stuff because what? We're entertained by Rumor, by gossip, by stuff about other people. And when you look at it in that way, it, it, is, it is a carnal sin. I mean, it's fleshly. It's, it's a pleasure, gossip is. And that's where it's coming from, from our desire for fleshly pleasure. It proceeds from an evil heart. For Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And as I said a minute ago, if we are catching ourselves engaged in gossip, we really need to have a heart check about that. But it is also born from idleness and a lack of purpose. We hear sometimes, you know, somebody gets into some kind of mischief or uh, gets on Facebook and says a bunch of stuff they shouldn't and somebody says, oh, they've got too much time on their hands. That, in fact, may be the problem. 
we have more time on our hands in, in this country uh, than ever before in the history of the world if we want to enjoy leisure. We have all kinds of time to do that. We don't have to work in the fields every day to get food, you know, to cook and bring it home and kill it or clean it or, uh, you know, slice it up and everything to, to get food. We don't have to do that every day in our country. A lot of countries in this world, they do. We have so many modern conveniences where you can, you know, 60 seconds in the microwave oven, dinner's done, right? Whereas in other parts of the world, you've you got to go chop the wood, get the fire going, uh, boil the water, all that. You know, it's half a day just to get yourself a, a, a bowl of noodles, you know. It's about, <laughs> it's just, it just takes all day. Listen to, listen to Paul as he writes to uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5. About, he's talking about young widows, but it, it would apply, I think, to anyone, what he, what he says here about idleness. He says, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Where did that come from? It came from idleness. And idleness says, I don't have a purpose. See, this young widow, she doesn't have a purpose. She doesn't have a husband to take care of. She doesn't have children that she needs to be taken care of. So she, she's lost a purpose. And we, as Christians, I, I think when we have idle time, if we have idle time, and I think a lot of us do, we need to, we need to remember what our purpose is and to channel our energies in those times of idleness toward our purpose. People don't have anything to do. They don't understand what the, what the purpose of their life is, which is to glorify God. And so they engage in gossip, which is the very last thing that's going to glorify God. How can gossip be stopped? Well, if we knew that, right? Well, it can be stopped, and we can know how to stop it. But just because we can know how to stop it, and just because it can be stopped doesn't mean it's easy. And often the things that aren't easy aren't tried. To avoid gossip, and this may be the most difficult thing of all, we need to evaluate our own speech. We need to think about what it is that we are saying or have said or are about to say. When talking about others, always ask a question to yourself anytime you're talking about somebody else. Am I gossiping? Am I concerned about helping the person or their situation that I'm talking about? Or am I just talking? Am I building them up or am I tearing them down? Is this person being lifted up or not? Would I be comfortable if the person that I'm talking about would walk in on my conversation? Would I stop talking? Those kinds of thoughts should be our checkpoints before we start talking about anybody else. In an age where talking about others' faults uh, is encouraged by media and in the entertainment industry, we need to be really mindful about the words that come out of our mouths. When we speak, let us speak with love. 
and never with something that would intentionally hurt another person. One saying caught my attention, speak well, speak only well of people and you need, you need never whisper. Speak only well of people and you need never whisper. Paul says it like this to the Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about the transformed life. Taking sin out of your life and replacing it with good behaviors. He says in verse 25, put away lying. We said already a lot of gossip is lying. He says, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And then he says, going on down in verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Only say that which is good for edification, for upbuilding. And then he says in verse 30, 31 and 32, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Is that my speech? Is that your speech? That's being described there? There are three things we need to ask ourselves. This certainly isn't original with me. But three things we need to ask ourselves about our speech. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Necessary for edification. If it's not true, you need to check what you say. If you're repeating something, you better check to make sure it's true. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary for edification? Those are three gates through which every word that I speak and every word that you speak should pass before they come out of our mouths. Evaluate your speech. Limit your speech. Every time I say this from the pulpit, of course, it, it, it's hard for a preacher to limit his speech, okay? Probably everybody's saying, I wish you would limit your speech. We get out of here on time once in a while. But limit your speech. You don't have to say everything you know. You don't have to say everything that pops into your head. Sometimes, actually, you can go without talking at all. It works just fine. The Bible says, Proverbs 10 and verse 19, that in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Just limit your speech. Don't say as much. Keep private matters private. Something's told you in confidence, it's told you in confidence. If it's a personal matter, keep it personal. Everybody doesn't have to know everything. So the Bible tells us, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13, that a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Now, he's not talking about, you know, covering up the truth. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying exactly what we're, we're saying here, that if something's told you in confidence, if it's, a, if it's a secret thing, keep the confidence. 
don't share it. The minute you share it with somebody, they're not in that confidence. They may feel free to spread it around, and that's how a lot of gossip gets started, isn't it? Keep private matters private. Be vigilant. Be always watchful. Watch for situations where gossip is likely to happen. Around the table at lunch, a group of friends after work or school, uh, the dinner table, uh, a group gathering in a church or, or after church, I should say, in, in a home or at a restaurant. I have a good friend that preaches, he preaches now out in Arkansas, but he was close to me in East Texas when I preached out there years ago. And uh, his, his first name is Chuck. And he, he said, he was working with this one congregation years ago, he said, most churches, you know, when everybody, amen, is said, they all go to restaurants and everything, and, and they, they might go out and have a good steak, right? After, maybe some of you today are going out to Logan's or something to get a steak. But Chuck said, people where he preached, they went home and had ground Chuck. So, there are a lot of situations where gossip can occur easily. And those gatherings after services, which are great, especially if we're with one another, that's a wonderful thing, but it's also a dangerous thing, isn't it? Let's be aware of that. Let's be aware of that. How can gossip be stopped? Well, to prevent another from gossiping, ask the person who's telling you a story about somebody else if they've talked to that person about it. Jesus says to us in Matthew 18, if you've got something against somebody, you go to them. We talked about that in a sermon not long ago. So ask the person if they've gone to that person. They need to go to that person before they go to anybody else. Refuse to believe that which is not verified. Proverbs 26, verse 24. He who hates disguises it with his lips and lays up deceit within himself. When he speaks kindly, do not believe him. <coughs> For there are seven abominations in his heart. There are some things that we shouldn't believe. There are people that speak kindly that seem like they're saying nice things but aren't telling the truth. Again, when we repeat things as fact, we need to verify them ourselves. We're responsible for it if we repeat it. All this is very challenging to us in the information age in which we live. But it's what God expects of his children. How can we stop gossip? Well, if you need to, just avoid the person who's doing the gossiping. Proverbs 20 and verse 19 he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. That's, a, that's an interesting verse to me. The person, seems like he's talking about two different people, but I don't think he is. He talks about, first of all, the person who um, is a talebearer that goes around. He said he goes about as a talebearer. He reveals secrets. And then the end of that is, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. What's the difference between a gossip and a flatterer? Well, not much. Not much. 
they're kind of two, two sides of the same coin. A gossip is someone who will say something behind your back that they wouldn't say to your face. A flatterer is someone who will say something to your face that they won't say behind your back. Two sides of the same coin. Avoid them. That's what the wise man says. I hope this morning that all of us have sincerely thought about the problem of gossip, the sin of gossip, the temptation to gossip as it applies to ourselves. There's no value in a lesson if we don't first apply it to ourselves. So I beg you to do that. I need to do it. I know. How can gossip be stopped? We have to recognize how serious it is. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12 that for every idle word, this is Matthew 12, 36 and 37, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it for it in the day of judgment. By your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. That ought to to really terrify us. Every idle word. And that's exactly what gossip is. Idle words. Every last idle word that we speak will give account of it in the day of judgment. And by those words we'll be justified or condemned. And then the psalmist in Psalm 101 and verse 5 Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him will I destroy. It's the God of heaven speaking. So this year here at Eastside, our theme is a house of prayer. And I want to end with this. Let's pray for God's help. We all of us need God's help with this sin, with this temptation. And here's the prayer from Psalm 141 and verse 3, that I'd encourage every one of us to pray before we pillow our heads tonight, maybe before we leave the building today. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let's pray that. In fact, will you bow with me and let's just pray that right now. Our Father in heaven, we come before your throne. We see the seriousness of this sin in your eyes and the trouble it can cause our lives. And we just pray this. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. In Jesus' name, amen. There could be one here this morning who's guilty of this sin. Maybe in such a way that you need to confess it openly and ask for prayers for your forgiveness. We'll be happy to assist you with that. There could be somebody here this morning that's not a member of the body of Christ, that doesn't know the blessedness of being in the body of Christ because you've never named his name, never turned away from your life in the world to be baptized in Christ for the remission of your sins. Would you do that now? Make a decision. Please come while together we stand and while we sing.